0: Welcome to Reimagining Atlantis. My name's Tori, and I'll be your host. Hello, my friends. Welcome back. I am excited to share this episode with you. I worry that I'm giving too much information too quickly sometimes. Others, I feel like I'm going to bore you with monotony What are your thoughts on doing some interviews? I am far from an expert, but I've gone my whole life looking at these stories from the perspective of how it fits with Atlantis. I have worked hard to put timelines to myths just trying to understand. If you want to learn more about these Greek myths, may I suggest Dr. Joseph Hughes from Missouri State University. He is absolutely fantastic, and I would love to have a sit-down conversation and interview with him. I can't tell you how many times I've listened to his lectures on YouTube. I have lost countless hours of sleep fascinated by his retellings. Because of you, this podcast continues to grow. I thank you so much for your support. I have a few special supporters out there, and while we may not speak, know that you are thought of and appreciated. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode. Diodorus has had so much to unpack in his explanations, but I felt like Diodorus needed a voice of his own, so I just lent him mine. Prior to the passage on the Atlanteans, Diodorus talks about the Libyan Amazons. When I first read book 3 of Diodorus' account on the Amazons and the Atlanteans, I went down the rabbit hole pretty deep. What a story. In many ways, I'm still processing it. I love DC's Wonder Woman, especially the new remake. They borrowed so heavily off at of the myth of the Amazons. I would love to one day talk to you about some wild theories of mine regarding them. Remember, history is written by the conquerors. What do you think about these myths? Do you think they could be true? For this episode, I'll be using Diodorus' account of the Libyan Amazons. He wrote a very complete history of Greek myths up to Alexander the Great. He died around 120 BCE. For the majority of mankind believe that the only Amazons were those who reported to have dwelt in the neighborhood of the Thermidon River on the Pontus. But the truth is otherwise, since the Amazons of Libya were much earlier in point of time and accomplished notable deeds. The ancient name of the Terme River is the Thermodon, and the surrounding region was called the Pontus. This is a short river in the Samson Providence and Turkey that drains into the Black Sea. The source of the water is from the Pontic Mountains. Here's Diodorus' taking about the more famous Amazons that created the city called Themyscria. The myth of Wonder Woman comes from the Themescrean Amazons. Diodorus is pointing out the differences between the two. So let's go back to what Diodorus is saying about the Libyan Amazons. Now we are aware, to the many who read this account, the history of this people will appear to be a thing unheard of and is entirely strange, for since the race of these Amazons disappeared entirely many generations before the Trojan War, whereas the women about the Thermodon River were in their full vigor a little before that time. It is not without reason that later people who are also better known would have inherited the fame of the earlier, who are entirely unknown to most men because of the lapse of time. Do you remember when I told you that most of ancient Athens' texts had a bias against women, and some of men's mightiest deeds were from the destruction of a woman? Diodorus will give us a pretty strong account of that. For example, Theseus, the legendary king of Athens, who liberated the Athenian people, was not a very nice guy towards women. You gotta hear a taste about it in two brief mentions with Ariadne after she helped him kill her half-brother. She left with him and abandoned everything, and he abandons her on the next available island, then marries her little sister. He also thought that he was, owed oh, the most beautiful woman and kidnapped and potentially raped and impregnated Helen of Sparta. He also took for a war captive one of the Themyscrian Amazons about a generation before the Trojan War. In short, Theseus was a hero to men and a monster to women. Enough ranting, back to Diodorus. No. There have been, in Libya, a number of races of whom were warlike and greatly admired for their manly vigor. For instance, tradition tells us of a race of the Gorgons against whom, as the account was given, Perseus made war, a race distinguished for its valor. For the fact that it was the son of Zeus, the mightiest Greek of his day, who accomplished the campaign against these women And that this was his greatest labor may be taken by any man as proof of both the preeminence and power of the women we have mentioned. That paragraph actually has a lot to unpack. First, he says in Libya, there were many tribes of women beyond the Amazons who were also warlike. He names another tribe of warlike women called the Gorgons. This is actually pretty important, so I want to take a moment to talk about Perseus and the Gorgons. But before I continue, I want you to remember that Athena, patron god of Athens, was actually born in the Mars Tritonus, and was reared by Triton himself. So she has very deep Libyan roots, and her statues actually depict Libyan attire, not Greek. So, let's go back with Danis and his one remaining disobedient daughter, Hypenestra. This is the whole beheading of their husbands on their wedding night story. Hypenestra and her respectful husband Lycanasis are now ruling over Argo. They had a son, and they named him Abbas. Abbas was a fearsome warrior, and he conquered nearby lands. Abbas had twin sons, Acrisius and Proteus. Now let's shift our story back to Acrisius. Acrisius was now the ruler of Argo, and he decided to take a trip to the Oracle of Delphi because he was having a hard time having sons. The Oracle told him that his daughter's son would kill him. Acrisius was so aggrieved on his way home because he loved his daughter, Danae, so much. On his way home, he started thinking of ways to prevent his death. He could kill his daughter, but the gods really didn't like it when you did that because killing your family members incurs miasma. So he reveled in joy when he came up with this foolproof plan. He would lock away Danae in a bronze tower so she could never get pregnant. That seems fair, right? Oh, well, hold my beer, says Zeus, and he turns himself into this golden liquid like substance. And he began tapping at Danae's window. Night after night, this golden goo would tap until finally Danae opened up the window and Zeus showered his golden rain all over Danae and she became pregnant and eventually gave birth to a beautiful baby boy named Perseus Acrisius became enraged and locked Danae and Perseus in a chest and threw the mountain to sea You see if Acrisius didn't kill them himself then he's not guilty and therefore does not incur miasma because once you throw them out into the sea, it's now up to the fate of the gods or Poseidon if whether or not they survive. His hands are not dirty. Well, it just so happens that sleeping with one of the main gods has some benefits, just so long as Hera doesn't find out. Danae prayed to Zeus to save them and the seas were calm and the chest ended up washing upon a shore on the island of Sephiroth. There was a fisherman who found the chest and took in Danae and Perseus as his own. Now the ruler of that island was King Polydectes, and when he saw Danae, he decided he just had to have her. He was going to have her, no matter what. Perseus, though, was super protective of his mother, and Polydectes saw him as a threat. So, Polydectes plotted to make Perseus leave so as to have Danae all for himself. Obviously, King Polydectes couldn't kill Perseus because that would turn Danae against him. So, King Polydectes ended up throwing this huge, fancy, rich fundraiser that was a banquet. And the price of entry was a horse. Now, remember when I said to picture a horse like a Mercedes? How many of you could afford a Mercedes as a price of entry to a fundraiser? Obviously, Perseus couldn't afford the horse, so he asked King Polydectes what he could do instead. Polydectes sent Perseus off to bring him the head of Medusa, queen of the Gorgons. Perseus walked off in despair, as he didn't even know where to find Medusa. He had made some off-the-cuff remark and now he needs to find Medusa to save his mom from the evil King Polydectes. Perseus ends up getting help from multiple gods like Hermes gave him his shoes, Athena gave him her shield, and I believe he had the sword of Ares. Anyway, Athena instructed Perseus to go find the Hesperides who were entrusted with these weapons that he needed to help defeat the Gorgons. Athena knew where to find Medusa because Medusa was once a priestess of Athena. Medusa was beautiful and she knew it. People started coming to Athena's temple to look at Medusa more than worship Athena. Medusa would often go to the sea and walk along the shore. Well. One day, Poseidon saw her, and he appeared before her. He tried to seduce her with his charm, but she resisted as to become a priestess of Athena, you had to maintain your virginity, just like Athena herself. Poseidon was not taking no for an answer, but Medusa ended up getting away. She ran to Athena's temple and began praying to the goddess for help. Poseidon raped Medusa right there on the altar. Athena had heard her name being called and so she came walking in and saw Medusa and the embrace of Poseidon and became enraged and turned Medusa into a monster. Medusa's hair turned to snakes and anyone who looked in her eyes would be turned to stone. Medusa ran off to be with her sisters and lived in isolation. Now take note, her sisters seem to be immune to Medusa's gaze. Anyway, Medusa found an old temple that was dedicated to Athena and it was located inside of a cave and she began to rebuild it, continuing her worship to Athena. Perseus ended up finding the cave and snuck up on Medusa while she was sleeping and chopped off her head while looking into the reflection of Athena's shield. From the stump of her body sprung two fully grown children, Pegasus and Chrysidor. Perseus ended up putting Medusa's head into a specially godly made bag and took off back home to save his mother. Now, I do want to stress that we're still in Libya here. That cave and temple of Athena was also in Libya. I also think that the original temple where Medusa was raped was in Libya as well, but I'll get to that later. Perseus left the cave and Medusa's sisters were chasing Perseus for revenge. Perseus came upon King Atlas of Atlantis and asked for hospitality. Atlas refused, so Perseus took out Medusa's head and turned him into stone, making the Atlas Mountains. Meanwhile, Perseus didn't head straight home to save his mom. Instead, he needed to lose the gorgons, so he went over to Ethiopia to check things out. There he is flying around in Hermes shoes and lo and behold, there's this beautiful naked woman tied to a rock. He did his best superhero landing and asked her why she was tied to this rock. Come to find out, Andromeda was being offered up to Poseidon because her mom had bragged that Andromeda was more beautiful than the gods. Perseus scoffed and then ended up slaying the sea monster that came for Andromeda. Perseus turned around towards the naked and chained up Andromeda, wiping the blood of the sea monster off his sword and looks over at her and is like, so, uh, what you think about marrying me? Andromeda looks around, she's naked, she's chained to a rock, and she's got some stranger with a sword that just killed this fearsome monster. So Andromeda agreed, and Perseus removed her binds and took off with her back to the island of Sephiroth, where Perseus still needed to save his mom from King Polydectes. Perseus gladly showed King Polydectes the head of Medusa, not only accomplishing his mission, but also turning Polydectes into stone. After Queen Marina defeated the city of Cern, and the Atlanteans surrendered their city under the terms of capitulation, Diodorus tells us about what happens when Marina wages war on the Gorgons, who were the neighbors of the Alenteans. Let's find out. We are told namely that there was once on the western parts of Libya, on the abounds of the inhabited world, a race which is ruled by women, and followed in a manner of life unlike that which prevails among us. As mythology relates, Their home was on an island, which, because it was in the west, was called Hespera, and it lays in the marsh Tritonus. This marsh was near the ocean, which surrounds the earth, and received its name from a certain river, Triton, which emptied into it. And this marsh was also near Ethiopia, and that mountain, by the shore of the ocean, which is the highest of those in the vicinity, and impinges upon the ocean, and is called by the Greeks, atlas. Since the natives were often being warred upon by the gorgons, as they were named, of folk which resided upon their borders, and in general had that people lying in wait to injure them, Marina, they say, was asked by the Atlanteans to invade the land of the aforementioned Gorgons. But when the Gorgons drew up their forces to resist them, a mighty battle took place in which the Amazons, gaining the upper hand, slew great numbers of their opponents and took no fewer than 3,000 prisoners. And since the rest had fled for refuge into a certain wooded region, Marina, undertook to set fire to the timber, being eager to destroy the race utterly, but when she found that she was unable to succeed in her attempt, she retired to the borders of her country. Now as the Amazons, they go on to say, relaxed their watch during the night because of their success, the captive women, falling upon them and drawing the swords of those who thought were their conquerors, slew many of them. In the end, however... The multitude pulled in about them from every side, and the prisoners fighting bravely were butchered one and all. Marina accorded a funeral to her fallen comrades on three pyres and raised up three great heaps of earth as tombs, which are called to this day Amazon Mounds. But the Gorgons were grown strong again in later days, were subdued a second time by Perseus, the son of Zeus, when Medusa was queen over them, and in the end, both they and the race of Amazons were entirely destroyed by Heracles when he visited the regions to the west and set up his pillars in Libya, since he felt that it would be ill accord with his resolve to be the benefactor of the whole race of mankind if he should suffer any nations to be under the rule of women. The story is also told that the marsh disappeared from sight in the course of an earthquake, when those parts of it which lay towards the ocean were torn asunder. As for Marina, the account continues, she visited the larger part of Libya, and passing over into Egypt, she struck a treaty of friendship with Horus, the son of Isis who was king of Egypt at that time, and then after making war to the end upon the Arabians and slaying many of them, she subdued Syria. But when the Sicilians came out with presents to meet her and agreed to obey her commands, she left those free to yield to her of their free will, and for this reason these are called to this day the Free Sicilians. And She also conquered in war, the race in the region of the Taurus peoples of outstanding courage, and she descended through greater Phygeria to the sea. And then she won over the land lying along the coast, and fixed the bounds of her campaign at the Caucasus River, and selecting the territory which she had won by arms, sites well suited for the founding of cities. She built a considerable number of them and founded one which bore her own name, but the others she named after the women who held the most important commands, such as Kaimi, Pitana, and Pyrene. These then are the cities she settled along the sea, but others and a larger number she planted in the regions stretching towards the interior. She seized also some of the islands, and Lesbos in particular, on which she founded the city of Mytilene, which was named after her sister, who took part in the campaign. After that, while subduing some of the rest of the islands, she was caught in a storm, and after offering up prayers for her safety to the mother of gods, she was carried to the uninhabited islands. This island. In obedience to a vision which she beheld in her dreams, she made sacred to this goddess and set up altars there, and offered magnificent sacrifices. She also gave the name of Samiothraki, which means, when translated to Greek, sacred island. Although some historians say that it was formerly called Samos. And, and was then given the name of Semothraci by the Thracians, who at one time dwelt on it. However, after the Amazons had returned to the continent, the myth relates, the mother of gods, well pleased with the island, settled it to a certain other people, and also her own sons, who were known by the name of the Corbantes who their father was handed down on their rights as a matter not to be divulged, and she established the mysteries which are now celebrated on the island, and ordained by law the sacred area, should enjoy the right of sanctuary. In these times, they go on to say, Mopius the Thracian, who had once been exiled by The king of the Thracians invaded the land of the Amazons with an army composed of fellow exiles, and Mopius on the campaign also Sypolis, the Scathian, who had likewise been exiled from that part of Scathia, which borders upon Thraci. There was a pitched battle. Sypolis and Mopius gained the upper hand, and Marina, the queen of the Amazons, and the larger part of the rest of her army were slain. In the course of years, as the Thracians continued to be victorious in their battles, the surviving Amazons finally withdrew again into Libya, and such was the end, as the myth relates, of the campaign which the Amazons of Libya made. Thank you so much for continuing to listen. Your support means everything to me. If you want to help make this podcast grow, Please subscribe and tell just one other person about this podcast today. We are each your own hero in this story we call life. That means one person has the power to change everything. Who is the one person you tell today, hero? Let's help keep Atlantis alive, or at least reimagined. A new episode will be released every Thursday at 9pm. See you then. Wait. Are you still here? Thank you. It's appreciated. Here's a clip for next week's episode. The famous Temple of Solomon probably was a copy of the Melquart Temple entire. This temple showed two big columns, one made of gold and the other made of precious stones, which were called Columns of Melquart. That name was later assigned to the Rock of Gibraltar too, and then was altered to the columns of Hercules. Today, it is assumed that Melkart originally was a manifestation of the Phoenician god of vegetation. There are reports that Heracles was killed by Typhon, which Typhon is also equal to Baal Haman. So remember Baal means master, right? So that's kind of like your title. So where Haman would be more of the name in his journey through Libya. But then he was resuscitated by Iolus using the smell of quails.